Welcome to the Protein Bros Podcast. On today's episode, we have Kara Jones. She is the CEO and owner of Angel Competition Bikinis. I really enjoyed this episode because we talked about so many things that we typically don't talk about on the podcast. Uh, We talked about how she got into the business of making bikinis for competitors. We talked a lot about the hardships that are involved in starting a business, but we also talked about the future of bodybuilding and what that looks like. Um, And then we also spent a bunch of time talking about mindset and personal development, um, which I really enjoyed her perspective. She's a very well-read person. She reads hundreds of books every single year, and it's very noticeable because she is able to give a lot of perspective when it comes to business and personal development. So as always, like and subscribe. If you guys enjoy our podcast, share it with somebody who's like-minded. That is the only thing that we ask. Enjoy the podcast. So right off the bat, you have an identical twin. Yes. Okay. Is she still with you, business partner on the business as well? Yes. And for our listeners that do not know Kara, Kara and her sister, and her sister's name is? Lauren. Lauren. Um, they started Angel Competition Bikinis how many years ago? 10 years ago. Oh, this is the 10-year anniversary? Yes, October 26th. Congrats. congrats. Yeah, years. huge congrats. We're coming yeah. up on it. Okay. I'm assuming there's going to be some cool celebration going on we'll yes, talk about. Yes, for sure. Um, but just know that, like, Kara has been, you know, on the front lines, working her business as a female entrepreneur for a decade now, as you've heard, and did something like, and and took something somewhere most people would never think big enough to think of. And it's just like so amazing what you've been able to do with competition bikinis and spread that into so many other things. I think you guys literally invented the posing suit. Yes. The posing practice suit. Like I feel like that was completely your invention. Yes, it was. So, you know, you've just got so many hats that you've worn, and I'm so excited to talk about them all. So um, without without any other um, kind of me giving you the introduction, let's let, our, let's let our listeners know just a quick origin story of just how did you find this in general? Yeah, so this is one of the most popular questions I get on how did you start your business? So it was 2013, and I had signed up for my first bodybuilding competition. I had just graduated college, and I was looking for a new goal to do. And <laughs> told you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I signed up for a bodybuilding competition and ordered a suit online from where my coach told me to order from, and it was known as the best place to get your suit. And I got it, and. I was a little disappointed, but everyone else was like, oh yeah, that's where I get my suit too. And so I just went with it. Um, and then when I competed, I didn't feel confident on stage in the suit because it was way too low cut in the front. It didn't fit me right. It wasn't custom made. And so talking with my mom right after that show, she said, you know, you could make this, I could make this. And when she said that, I thought, Maybe I can. A light bulb went off. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, my mom had made all of our clothes. I have three sisters, so there were four of us, and she made all of our dresses all growing up. And she had taught us to sew, so I had made clothes, bikinis for my American Girl doll, my Build-A-Bear, and things like that. So I already knew how to sew. And then one thing led to another, and we started selling a few suits on eBay. That's where we started. A lot of people don't know that. And People love them. We got great reviews. And then we moved to Etsy and we continued to get positive feedback about the cut and how much they love their suits. So then Lauren and I competed at the NPC Midwest Championships and wore our suits on stage for the first time. And backstage, it was crazy. A lot of girls were like, where are those suits from? And we didn't really expect that because we didn't think they were that much, they would stand out that much 
better than the other suits, but they did. And so then after that show, we really had a fire under us. And this was March of 2014. And so we just went all out with this idea. And we were both still working full-time jobs. It wasn't until, I guess it was only three months later that I was able to quit my full-time job, which I was- three months. So it was about- Eight months after the idea of the business that I was able to quit my job. So you're in a situation where it's March 2014. You're at the show. You're wearing your suit with your sister. And this was in no shape or form. Like you guys didn't have like a table set up. This was not like a, it was a coming out party for the suits, but not truly. It wasn't like, it wasn't really the purpose of you guys wearing them. It wasn't just to ask questions or people to uh, ask you guys questions or prompt questions. It was just, it happened organically. Yeah, we didn't even have filed for LLC until May of 2014. So still in March, we were kind of just, we were saying, you know, if this takes off, but then after March, it changed. And we kept saying when this takes off. Right. And having that mindset change from this is what we're going to do. We are going to give it our all. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But we know that we tried and we did everything we could in our power to make this business take off. And so then in... Is that suit one over there? Yep. All the way to the left? Yeah. How awesome. Yeah, suit one on the left. That's awesome that you get the... uh... So that was March of 2014. And then the middle is May of 2014. And this was the first show we sponsored. So you see our banner in the background. Yeah. May 2014, would that be the Muscle Mayhem? Yes, that was Muscle Mayhem. Which uh, is coming up in a couple weeks. It's coming next weekend to Kansas City. Yeah. The... uh, when, when you were starting out, because in the beginning, were you thinking, man, this is so niche. Is this going to work? Because in my head, it's like, yeah, the competitors are, you know, there's quite a few competitors, but really what you're talking about is, is kind of a niche deal, you know? And, um, I would, you know, in the beginning of that, were you, th- was there any like doubts in your head as to like, man, is this, you know, is there enough people that are going to buy these or, you know, did you have any kind of like struggles that you had to overcome in the beginning? Um, like what were the struggles, of course, yeah. right? Yeah. And like what were those fears? Like what was really keeping you from I saying I guess fears when? is what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, so there were a lot of fears. I remember I would probably break down and cry every single week just over something because I was very blissfully ignorant. So with your question of did I even know if there was a market for this, I was so ignorant to the world of business that mm-hmm. I didn't even consider that being a factor. Yeah. You were just like, oh, well, yeah, there's got to be enough people. In this case, it was beneficial for you, right? It yeah. was. Yeah. Because yeah, my background is in science and music. So nothing in Can ask, business. What was, what was the prior career? I was a respiratory therapist at KU Med Center. Okay. And so you were just psyched to get out of that. I'm just joking. Well, <laughs> you know. What a different polarizing oh, job. When you quit that job and they were like, what are you going to go do? <laughs> I actually vividly remember I did not tell a single soul I was quitting until my final day. And I said, you know, I put in my two weeks, two weeks ago, this is it. And then I do remember one of the men there laughed and goes, <laughs> you're going to try that entrepreneur thing. Oh, wow. And then. Oh yeah, some I, fire, some bulletin board you know material. Where he is I was right now. shocked. He's still there. Yeah. We know where he is. Yeah. I was shocked that someone said that to me in person. And I I was, you know, kind of I was terrified to quit. So I just said, Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. And I wasn't super confident in myself yeah. because I had no idea what the future held. Mm-hmm. And so there were so many struggles because neither Lauren or I had any type of business background. 
we did not know anything about marketing. We didn't know anything about finance, really, from a you know an education standpoint. So most of what we did that first year was study, read, take as many courses as possible to learn, learn, learn. Um, one thing with the marketing that really, really helped us, we were the market, so we knew exactly how to market. You know, we were the customer. So that really put us ahead on knowing, you know, what are these athletes looking for? What are they lacking right now in their suits? And what can we do to make them feel more confident on stage? What were, what were those things? Yeah. Like what, what, what specifically? You mentioned the cut already. Yeah. 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 Is there other variables that like really made your suits stand out to the, to the, um, to your guys's market at the first, like other bikini competitors looking at them and saying, Oh, you know, I can tell this is an angel suit. Yeah, we've always taken a quality first approach to things. So when other companies, for example, would cut corners on their connectors, we knew it was strategic for us to pay 10 times what the competitor companies were paying because that way they would not break. Back in 2013, 2014 era, in bodybuilding, especially with the bikini suits, it was very, very common for these connectors to break because the suits were made so cheaply. Fortunately, there has been some new companies come up alongside us that really, you know, push us to be better and we push them to be better. So I think it's great that there's different companies, you know, pushing this quality forward. So one thing that we've always done is quality, quality, quality first. And then something that we still do to this day is write a handwritten note to all of our customers. And I know that you do that as well. And I think that is even more today so important to show people that there are humans behind this. Right. Especially as an an online brand. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys don't have a retail store. Yeah. I mean, not yet, at least for people to walk in and just buy suits. Right. So it's like really humanizes your brand from somebody that was just clicking around on their phone to purchase. And that's another thing. We humanize our brand authentically because we're sending the customers, you know, videos of our seamstress actually sewing their suits. We're very in contact with our customers. We encourage every single customer to do a consultation. We do a zoom to look at them, look at their stage photos and consult them on the best cut for them. And that being human and remaining human is very important to us. You you don't blow any, like, this is not me blowing any smoke. Like I, I need to tell you, you know, I met Kara in 2016, I believe, or at the, at the, at the latest 2017. And, um, we were still trying to grow our stores. Um, and we, you know, she, we didn't know of each other very well. And so when I first met her, I would just tell you that like, for you saying that you had zero business background, um, the level of which that you've like read books or studied or listened to went to courses and so forth. Like I wouldn't just say that you knew a lot about business. I would absolutely consider you business savvy from the day I met you. And well, what you're, you're smart, like, so you had a back, you know, you obviously had a background in, in, you know, had a higher level of education. And so understanding business, I'm guessing it maybe didn't come easy to you, but you were able to study. You know? It was, very was impressive, the background yeah. in yeah. discipline yeah, because sure. I started off college as a cello performance major where you are required to practice six hours on your own every single day. So locking yourself in a tiny, tiny room and you stay there for six hours, just grilling your craft over and over and over again. And that really instilled a lot of discipline in me. And then moving into respiratory therapy school, this was people's lives on the line. So I took that commitment very, very serious. And if you ask any of my classmates, they would probably make fun of me being like, she studied so much. Like it was ridiculous. She like, I take things too serious Mm -hmm. sometimes, but that 
does help. It does hurt. But I mean, I've used that quality of myself to really learn as much as I can. I laugh. We, we, we talk about this with our, we have a lot of young guys that work for us, right? Young guys and girls. And, um, we try to explain to them like, guys, the person that like raises their hand, the person that sits in the front of class, like they're all going to be your boss one day. So just understand, like, there's gotta be a time in your life where you think in your head, I'm no longer too cool to try hard. Right. And it's like, everybody else was just like in class, just like, Hey man, why aren't, why aren't you just, you know, kind of coasting like the rest of us. And you're like, I take this super serious. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm really handling people's lives here. Like I really need to know all the ins and outs. And like, this is important. And, uh, I just got to commend you because it's like, that's not the social norm. You know, it's not, and no. you had to lean into that and you did it when no one else was saying like, Hey, this is the cool thing to do. You're like, this is the important thing to do for mm-hmm. me, you know? So again, got to commend you for that. And then we get into, I, w- I want to ask oh. a question real quick. So what was the decision to, because I, knowing what I know about apparel, um, doing in-house like cut and sew is very expensive. Did you guys ever think about doing it, you know, through somebody else using like a distributor to do all that? what was it like trying to source materials and all that? Was that a pretty confusing process or, you know, walk us through what that decision was like when you made it? Yeah, that's a really great question because actually only 1% of apparel businesses in the U S are actually made in In the the U S and every single one of our competition suits is started from a bolt of fabric here in Lenexa, Kansas. And which is wild. Yeah. And I really like to give people tours of our headquarters because no one can, you can't find places like this very often that actually make things in house. So sourcing things, we go to different expos to find the best vendors. So for example, we went to California a couple of years ago, which they have these expos, similar to fitness expos, but it's all about different sourcing for fabric, for connectors, because all of the parts, you know, we don't make the connectors in house, you know, we have to source those. We don't actually weave the fabric, you know, we source that. So it is, it has been a struggle and it will probably always be a struggle finding the highest quality because we've noticed when we make a relationship with a supplier, sometimes once you have that solid relationship, they start to cut corners And then you notice, and you really have to keep these suppliers on their toes to make sure they're delivering the highest quality because we need to start with the highest quality raw materials to make our finished product what it is. Understandable. Yeah. And like, you know, having to keep an eye on that fabric, the amount of owners out there that own their own apparel, right. But they're not sourcing it themselves and so forth. And so they're getting blanks, right. So for us, like we have supplement Superstores t-shirts that we do relatively often. And I'll always notice when like the shade is a little different, the color Mm -hmm. is a little different. You know, the cuts are a little, you know, and they're like, yeah, you have to make some room for, uh, what do they call it? They have a term for this. The dye lot. Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, but there's also like a, the amount of like, you're just not allowed to be upset if like 10% oh, of the margin off. of error. Yeah. yeah. The margin of error. And it seems like we're getting really loose on that margin. It feels like yeah. every time it's like, sometimes we have like, we had a phrase once that said, uh, you know, whatever it takes on the front of the mm-hmm. shirts. Right. And like, we were like, well, a third of our shirts say whatever it takes in like a curve. It says whatever it takes, like in a slant. And they're like, yeah, that's like the hardest thing to do on shirts, man, is to keep it, you know, get, you know, get a straight line to be straight on the shirt. And I was like, oh, I guess I should have known that before you said yes and took my money. I feel like that is <laughs> not hard to do on a yeah. shirt. And when we talk about that margin of error, it's kind of interesting when you like imagine a photo of a bikini athlete on stage. If their suit is off by more than 2%. So we're talking like a quarter inch, especially on the bottom. You're 
you're seeing things that you should not be seeing. So these suits have no room for error. There's no margin of error on the suits, which has been our the hardest part about our business, but also the best because we can make that suit fit 100% perfect because of all the work we've done the past 10 years of you know slowly evolving our patterns and how they fit and how the customers receive it and you know doing that one thing we live by is the bodybuilder mentality never satisfied we will become 1% better every single day and that really keeps us on our toes to keep evolving and keep changing and keep growing and keep making it better and better and better yeah and you do that with your experience as well and so let's get into a little bit of these added value things that you do because that's where I really like, that's where I get excited to hear about is just, um, you just sending a video of them, of their suit getting made. Like how awesome, as Mm -hmm. far as like you ordering something custom, I mean, how often in your life do you order something that's literally made a hundred percent to you? And then you actually get to see the process of it being made. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I try to think of things to compare it to, and I'm trying to think of, you know, buying a wedding gown, but even that it was just one size. And mm-hmm. then they, they make it and ship it. So we have a very niche business, but I love that it's this niche because you know what? Amazon can't do what we do. No way. Amen. And yeah. if, if you're starting a business, that is a tip that I tell people, think about this. Can Amazon do what you're doing? Can one of these super, like it, you have to have that barrier to enter the space be high or it's going to be super saturated. So when we think about our business, the barrier to enter is high. I mean, you need seamstresses. You need people that know how to sew suits for competitors. You need sewing machines. You need crystallizers. There's so many things you need to even get started. And I love that about it so that it it kind of keeps us to where we don't have all of these people trying to copy what we do. It sure. insulates you. Sure. Yeah, because they can't copy what we do. Right. They can only, like, we try to explain this um, with the relationships that we build with our customers. It's like, you can only meet us. You can't really beat us. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like someone can do everything that you're doing potentially, but then they have to want it as much as you do. And so mm-hmm. because they won't be the first to do it, a lot of people just drop off right off the bat just because their ego's involved and they're like, well, I'm not going to be special then. I yeah. can be just as good as Angel, maybe. Well, that doesn't sound cool. Then they, they just give up and move on to something else. You know what yeah. I mean? And so passion just, yeah. gets you far passion plus hard work plus growth mindedness. And yeah. you can do anything. How can, yeah. How could we possibly compete with that? Right. We can only try to be on the same, you know, on the same path, mm-hmm. uh, which is very difficult again for people to sign themselves up for from the beginning. Like I could only be as good as this rock and roll. I could be a cover band. Yeah. Right. But there's no cover bands in the rock and roll hall of fame as the, uh, as the saying goes. I think, you know, in, in hearing you talk to, it's very apparent that another thing that insulates you is culture. You know, it's like when you have people that are as, as loyal to you because of, you know, getting consistently good experiences with the suits that they're buying, looking good on stage, the suits fitting great. And then also what you guys do as far as the, you know, the fashion shows you do and then being, you know, sponsoring shows, all of that creates insulation because your culture it's like if somebody tries to come in every you have so many people that are basically rowing in the other they're rowing in your direction mm-hmm. that it basically makes it makes it easier for you to it, it just creates momentum with your brand you <laughs> who's know? more passionate than you about competition suits? no one yeah there's this is easy this is easy <laughs> and who's i actually make it? fun yeah. of myself because like i was in nashville uh, this weekend for the nashville fit show and i was watching the show backstage on the tv with some girls and i was like oh, her suit isn't fitting right. And the person next to me, I was like, oh, 
I don't really look at the athletes anymore. I just, I just look, at, look the at the suits and how they fit <laughs> because that's where my mind goes. Like yeah. if I see a suit that's not ours, that fits great. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how, like, what is, what are they doing? Like, is there any technique they're doing? Um, so it's, no, no one's, no one's as passionate about competition suits. And it's such a nice thing, niche thing to be passionate about that I can probably say that with a hundred percent confidence. Yeah. And so it's like, if, if, if you have the means uh, to purchase a suit from Angel, it's like, why would I go anywhere else? Like I, this, these people are so absolutely dedicated to the, um, that the suit is going to be the absolute thing that I don't have to worry about on show day. Yeah. Everything else I can figure out, but the suit I can on my own. And I need you guys to be as passionate about it as I am. And as you know, uh, competitors on competition day, it's like everything has mm-hmm. to be perfect. And so what a, what a, um, difficult, I would say, um, standard to actually have to uphold. And so my question is how often are you getting feedback where, you know, somebody maybe not be as, uh, excited about it as you'd like them to be. And how do you guys handle those situations? Because we are talking about quarter of an inch, like you were saying. Yeah. So one thing with our suits is they will fit. We have a 99% first time fit rate. And when we started in 2013, that was somewhere around 75%, 25% of the people would get the suits and say it doesn't fit. And so slowly over the years, we've been able to bump this all the way up to 99%. So it's very rare that a customer does have a fit issue. And we have a great customer service time. Shout out to Meredith. She's amazing customer service team that handles anything the customer needs with their suit fit. And so we do have companies that will try to copy our designs. And so there is like a couple big companies out of India that their photos look similar to ours and their photos are absolutely beautiful. They spend a long, long time, you know, positioning the suits. But when you get the suit, it's art for the wall. Like it's beautiful, but it's not going to fit. And I think that's a hard thing the, the to the wish.com version. If you will. <laughs> you know, I yes, literally was, yes. thinking, we're all this. We're all yes. I was thinking that it's hard to explain to customers, you know, okay, this company they're mass producing in India, they're paying $2 an hour labor. That's why their prices are so much lower, but you're losing all customization. The fit is not you like, how do you reach these people? So when you say, if you have the means to buy an angel competition suit, because we are one of the more expensive brands, we aren't the most expensive, um, but it is an investment. You know, our suits start at 200 and go up from there and it is worth it. And I can guarantee you, it will cost you more money in the end. If you buy one of these cheap secondhand suits, because you're going to have to end up splurging and getting something that actually custom fits you. Yeah. I always tell everybody when they're getting into any hobby, it's just like, if I were to start fishing, if I was going to get into fishing, for example, would I buy just the stuff that's on the end cap at Walmart and expect to enjoy my experience and actually love it and and fall in love with it and keep doing it. And if I did, right, then I would have to go buy new stuff anyway, Mm -hmm. because I got the beginner of everything, right? Like if you go like, um, usually the, (laughs) the cheapest thing in any category is never the thing that anybody that takes it serious would use. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's just such a seldom person that would need such a cheap thing for it to actually function the way you want it to. Right. And so I always laugh about that kind of stuff. Now, when it comes to Etsy, Amazon, I'm sorry, you did um, eBay. eBay. Were those competition suits or were those just bikinis? We've always only done competition suits. Okay. But now we're doing, we talked about posing suits earlier. Yes. Are we we still doing that? Posing suits. We have tried to do beachwear, and this is something that I learned the hard way. What I was talking about earlier, if Amazon can do something, 
it's best to let Amazon do it. And I don't mean specifically Amazon, but we're saying Amazon, Target, you know. Matt, bigger, bigger companies. Yeah. It's going to lowest, lowest cost it, and then there's going to be no way for your loyalty to be built. Yeah, so for us, you know, paying 20 to $25 an hour labor, we cannot even come close to what Target can sell a bikini for. Yes, ours will fit a lot better. Yes, ours is going to be made more, way more ethically, but that is a hard pill for consumers to swallow when you're talking about a $10 bikini that was made in a sweatshop in maybe even a dollar an hour wage. And then we're trying to sell something that looks almost identical on paper, looks. Right. For $150. And you would and you won't know as the customer that it is different until it's on you. Is that is that correct? Correct. So it makes it really tough now. Yeah. Right? Because it looks the same on the mannequin or on the picture. Yes. Okay. Do you guys still offer the beachwear customization for a heftier price just for the people that truly want a custom suit? We do in the form of a posing suit. So we do not even call anything beachwear because that's not our market. We aren't trying to make suits for girls to wear to the beach. But if they want to wear any of our posing suits on the beach, I mean, these are the suits that I wear when I go swimming, but of course I don't have to pay for them. (laughs) So I know know that donut suit's popular. The donut suit, uh, it's actually, you are spot on that donut suit, the donut fabric. We have ordered more donut fabric than any other fabric ever. I think we've ordered now 60 yards of donut fabric. And if you think 60 yards may not, may not sound like a lot, but there's not much fabric that is needed per suit. Yeah. You're over here like, it's just floss. And you're just... Yeah. How many actual yards goes into a suit? Oh, not even a whole yard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, I There's a... I, I understand why the donut uh, pattern would be popular having done a show Kyle's myself. Kyle's the donut king. Yeah. Uh, donut you, king. Get, you get deep into a prep and you're just like, dude, I would do it. You you start like like looking up food on your phone just to look at food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the donut Kyle, pattern is just when he just was uh, prepping, I was that. with him. This is, in, this is really aging us. This is 2011. Yeah. And I would bring in like a lean pocket. You know, this is this is a, obviously I was really on my game diet while I was <laughs> And he, he like would smell my food. Mm-hmm. He would just pick it up and smell it and be like, dude, I can't have it, but that not smells awesome. Not a lean awesome. pocket. Jeff, <laughs> one of these days, not, you're going to get on stage. Not a lean pocket. To hand out the trophies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> already done that. I've been there many times. I've raised is. some arms up like yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not my, uh, not Do, my have goal. You ever, have, you wanted, have you ever thought about dabbling into the board shorts that he could wear? I have for a split second and then pushed it away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do things that I'm not passionate about and no offense to the men, but I'm not passionate about men's suits yeah. at all. I, I, yeah, to be completely honest, yeah, the I fit would no be passion. tough, right? Let's talk, it's also hard to like really build value there. Right. In the sense of, you know, um, we just had Justin Williams on here last week and Justin, uh, is an IPB pro physique competitor. And so he had showed me like different shorts that he had gotten. And he said like, there are companies now that do specialize in just, you know, physique mm-hmm. men's physique shorts. And uh, I'm like, they're just really tight shorts, dude. Like, yeah. what are we like? What's the difference? Yeah. And imagine trying to sell a man on a crystallized suit. They aren't going to go for it. Yeah, that's true. You don't want to have sparkly quads? Come on, man. I mean, okay, if you compete, we'll make your suit and we'll deck it out in crystals. Let's go. Come hey, on. I'm de- Hey, my girlfriend, or I'm sorry, my fiance now. Oh, yeah. yeah my, fiance. It's, it's fun to say. Uh, yeah, she'd probably love a custom suit, so we'll talk about that after this yeah. for sure. She'd love it. And, uh, yeah, is that Rachel. Rachel. Yeah. Yes. I forgot. You were, Rachel is uh, Justin's fiance, and she is an Angel Competition Bikinis sponsored athlete. Now, this is a whole, we could make a whole show just about this because this is so 
So interesting to me. And so many of our listeners, I'm sure, would love to hear about this. Also, it was happening in March of 2014. Or was it yes. 2013? 2014. 2014. Um, that was the year that for, that Instagram truly started taking off. Like It was the really the time where it was like now mass had adopted, right? It wasn't just the kids, right? We're starting to get there with TikTok where it's like adopted by the masses and it's not just kids. And Instagram was everywhere in 2014. Uh, first Form started their first ever athlete search, January 2014. You know, I applied for that. Did you really? Did you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think I still have the shirt they sent me in the mail. Nice. Is it the teal t-shirt? It has a logo yeah. on the front. It was black with teal. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Black with the teal yeah. lettering. Okay. And so that was the same time. And so like you guys um, in fitness was so intertwined with Instagram at the start where everybody was just posting their journey. And mm-hmm. if you were competing, you would post your entire prep. Right. And so... You guys, again, for in quotes, not knowing much about business at the time, you guys were very quick to uh, adopt having um, ambassadors, athletes, etc. How was the start of that in the beginning? Of that? Where did your guys, where did, where did those conversations start? And then like, what was the first road bumps? Yeah, so it was a blessing in disguise that we didn't know anything about business because that gave us the sense of being open to learning any, like we were just so open-minded to learning. And especially because Instagram was so new, we were the first to really, really learn it. And influencer marketing and had just taken off. So we really started a sponsored athlete search yeah. soon after Wild we started. West. Yeah, you know, soon after. And we still are in contact with some of our initial first sponsored athletes. How cool. April 2014. Oh, wow. I didn't even know you could see that. Luke knows the interwebs. Yeah, so it was right after that um, NPC show in St. Louis that we started the Instagram. Had to start one, yeah. Yeah, and How if you fun. go online to NPC News Online, you can still find our photos. Last name is Beeves. <laughs> Beeves? Yeah, it's Love my maiden it. name. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think it's it's such a, a business that lends itself to social media really well because you're you you're product is on somebody when they absolutely look the best and then you have somebody making a caption underneath it this is my you know bikini that i'm wearing and people instantly say well she looks great in that you know like yeah. i want to which kind of because we're talking about 2014 i wanted to ask this in 2014 men's apparel sucked like you put a shirt on and it yeah. was not this mm-hmm. it wasn't like comfy um is that it has competition bikinis kind of done the same thing where it's like same level you got, of evolution maybe. do you guys use like stretchier material is it more comfortable now you know um because i feel like apparel in general since that time frame has gotten a lot better is it the same thing with like a competition bikini can people wear a competition bikini and just feel like super comfortable in it now because i remember when i was competing girls would complain about them yeah <laughs> so it has evolved a lot yeah. bikini division do you know when it started what year it was probably 2011 2009 was the first year of the bikini division. So if you think we were pretty soon to market starting in 2013 and the evolution of the suits from 2013 to today is crazy. And the physiques that go in them. Yes. Oh, and just everything. The judges are rewarding different things every year. So that's something that I will say a lot of our success is from is that every single year in December, we really hone in on our cut and what was rewarded at the Olympia, you know, the big competitions, what are the judges, what we think they're looking for? Cause we will never know what they're looking for, but we can look at the photos of who they're rewarding. And, you know, especially in the back coverage that has changed 
astronomically, Dramatically, right? yes, since since 2013. Way, and way less nowadays, right? Way less, yes. Yeah. But we're kind of, there was a point, I think, in 2019 where it was really, really way less, and we're kind of pulling back. Sure. Um, because people are realizing it needs to be about proportions. So if you have very large glutes, you cannot wear our micro-cut it's all about the how the fabric looks against your muscle and using the illusion of curves, you know, with how much percentage fabric is showing and things like that. So there's a lot that goes into getting that perfect cut. And that is why we always tell people, use our free consultation. We don't ask for a credit card. We don't, there's no obligation to buy. You can be anyone, call us, schedule a consultation. And yeah, all you do is click on our website and click chat with a consult chat with a stylist. We also offer in-person consultations, which is my favorite. But unfortunately here in Kansas City, there's not a huge market for bodybuilding. We are trying to grow that and it has been growing. Um, But we do also have someone down in Tampa and we are trying to find more suit stylists all over the country to help do more in-person Facilitate those consultations, yeah. You guys, <clears throat> what's awesome. crazy is, you know, you mentioned that about Kansas City, and I remember in Kansas City in like 2010, Muscle Mayhem, I remember coming to a show and there was like 200 bikini competitors. And it was like the most massive amount of bikini competitors I've ever now. seen. What do you think's led to the drop off in Kansas City as far as comp- competition? That's a really interesting question. And, you know, I was, I competed at the last All-Stars in November, and I was actually blown away by the amount of spectators in Kansas City, because, you know, I have this vision in my head that Kansas City has a lot of room to grow with bodybuilding, but the spectators at that show were crazy. Every seat was full. The convention center, the Overland Park Convention Center was completely full of people cheering. And you can tell there's a big fan base here. I don't know if... I like I don't know why that there has been a drop in athletes registering. That could be because there's more shows in the surrounding areas now, and there's a lot more promoters coming up, which I think is great because the more promoters and the more shows we have, the more it keeps people on their toes to keep improving their shows. Yeah, right. Growing I the do. Sport. I do talk to a lot of people now that are going. They're traveling to go to shows. Which, you know, in 2010 or so, nobody did that really unless you were going to a national show. You know, it was like everybody was like, no, you you do the show that's here. But you talk to a lot of people now, then they go to, you know, Tennessee to do a show. Yeah. Which I feel like is a unique thing. But that probably just goes back to what you were saying as far as like if you get more promoters and it creates more competition and improves the overall show quality, you know. Yeah. As far as your athletes that you've had sign up, right? What were some of the like the biggest obstacles when it's come to the like uh, ambassador marketing or influencer marketing, if you will? The biggest obstacle, hmm. It is one of my favorite aspects of the business is being able to sponsor athletes and work with them because we don't spend any money on paid advertisements. Instead, we pay our athletes or the top athletes or give them a commission on their sales, and that's how we spend our marketing budget because we would rather support you know our. community our community rather than pay google you know keep the money in the bodybuilding industry and the community um for our ambassadors and sponsored athletes 
I can't really think of any obstacles that comes to mind managing them and making sure that we are doing our part to help them and they are doing our part to help us and having those expectations clear. That can be hard because there are so many companies right now using influencers and marketing that way. And they're all so different with right. so many different, you know, As, profit margins. So expectations, right? yeah. So some companies can do 20% commission on sales because their profit margins are so high. And so, you know, sometimes people have different expectations going into it. If I could give anyone a tip, if you are trying to land sponsorship and ambassadorships with, uh, with companies, don't have expectations because every company is so different. You don't know what the company is working with. So don't have expectations going into a partnership. Yeah, I think it's um, we've we've talked about this with others, and I'm so glad you brought that up. And it's because most ambassador or athletes that we meet initially, like the first, you know, group that you meet is typically always thinking, "What's in it for me?" Mm-hmm. And I feel like, hey, guys, understand this. Like, there's a lot of people that are wanting to get sponsored, and so if you have the attitude of what I can do for you to start off with. A, a, a business is so excited to talk to you because you actually have the right attitude just to start off with that it usually will pay, you know, pay in full dividend, you know, later if you just have the right attitude from the start of just thinking, what can I do to help bring value to this brand? Yes, that is great advice, I guess. Okay, so now the biggest obstacle would be that people can confuse a scholarship with a sponsorship right? because a sponsorship is a partnership. A scholarship is I am giving you a free suit. There is no expectations. It's, you know, I'm, this is a scholarship to compete kind of thing. So sometimes people do confuse those two different things, which we have done scholarships, you know, for, you know, someone in college and things like that that want to compete, which that's completely different than a sponsorship. Yeah, it's more of like a philanthropic uh, yes. endeavor, right? The best ones are, the, you know, the best relationships are the ones that you actually don't even you know, feel like there is a business relationship involved. You feel like you have a friendship with the person Mm -hmm. and it's like mutually beneficial. It's like, of course I want to help you out. Of course you want to help me out. And it's just a partnership. Shared values. Shared values. You know, it, does it ever get weird with the, with the money aspect of things? Have you had bad experiences with that in the past? No, we haven't. You know, most of our sponsorships, it's more of a, we both feel indebted to the other person, which I think is great. And we're like, what did I do to deserve you as a sponsored athlete? And they're saying, what did I deserve you to sponsor me? That is the best. And that's the goal. You Mm -hmm. know, when both people feel like they're getting like the better end of the deal, that's, that's gold. And you can just keep writing with those sponsorships. I'm so happy for you. And you guys work really hard at that. And so just to be clear, like for everybody listening, like Kara is giving herself a lot of like, she's being extremely humble, but it just takes unbelievable effort to always give 51% in a relationship. Um, and especially in the fitness world, um, it's very common to find people who have a lot of ego and a lot of, you know, um, personal attachment to like how they're being looked at and so forth. You see that, um, you know, Hey, I saw that you sponsored my friend. Why aren't you sponsoring me? You know, type of deal. And so, for you to have that, you know, attitude is just incredible. I'm just telling you, like, it's very rare. Well, thank you. Mm. I have grown a lot into the person I am now. I haven't always been like this. Um, I have taken a wild yoga journey trying to, you know, dissect my ego and learn from that. So I have put a lot of work in the mental side of 
being a business owner as well as, you know, knowing the knowledge, because I feel like those are so important to be in that place without an ego because an ego as a business owner will not get you far. And I mean, still to this day, I notice I'm like, Oh, that's your ego coming out. Just stop, you know, take a deep breath and, you know, re reset. Um, but it is, it is a journey to be able to drop your ego and always give that 51%. Can we talk about the personal development a little bit as far as like how you got started on that journey? You were going to ask the same question as I was about to ask, bro. <laughs> I feel like Come she on, just dog. softballed it. She yeah. just tossed it to us, bro. Yeah, but I've been wanting to ask this. Oh, yeah. It was, well, I mean, like you have always, uh, we've talked about books several times. I actually got um, Deep Work. Because of your recommendation, oh. and uh, Kyle's read it as well. Don't you love it? Good, yeah. Great. Deep work yes. and uh, digital minimalism. Yes, it Calendar really court. makes you be terrified to get on your phone, doesn't well, it? Yeah. I was like noticing. I was like, man, I feel stupid when I stare at my phone all the time, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, now I understand. Well, why. I feel like I need. To, I've, honest to God, I do feel like I need to read. I need to read it like every six months. Yes, because I find myself back into the same habits. You yeah, know? digital like, minimalism. I can't even say the word minimalism is one for sure. Because the media, whoever, Facebook, Instagram, they do such a good job. They yeah. hook you, man. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. They know my brain better than I do. And so they know exactly mm-hmm. what's going to keep me coming back. And so it's wild. It's funny when you set your phone down and you get the notification pop up two seconds later. And it's like, so-and-so just shared a story. It's hard. It's hard because, you know, your business is social media. Our business is a lot of social media. We have, you know, um, our employees post on social media. It's, it's, it's a big thing to try and step back away from it and also still be able to execute it and then have a positive relationship yeah have a good relationship with it Mm -hmm. knowing what you're needing to do there and then not sticking around for walk you know hanging out yeah it's kind of wild that we talk about the relationship we have with our phones but you need to take this into account you know because to be successful in anything you need to be strong mentally physically spiritually you know all all of those three buckets need to be full for you to give your a game mm-hmm. i agree with that this is you huh oh that is me so that was 2019 51 books huh well, yeah i usually do a book i try to do a book a week so usually my years are 50 52 I'm, bucks i'm coming at you strong hey, with this go one. back to that real quick mark Mont- what are you talking about mark manson's book Shoe Dog. No, I was just reading over. Oh, Shoe uh, Dog. That's such a good book. Well, I'm about to give you a tough one. Okay. Give us your Mount Rushmore of books that you've read for personal growth that have made the biggest impact on you, which means there are four. Okay. So The Power of Now, that book is life-changing if you let it. You know the author? Eckhart Tolle. Okay. Power of Now. What's well, It's probably about starting, you know, not, or give us the breakdown on it real quick. So The Power of Now is about being present. And before I read that book, I was never present in my life. In the future at all times? In the the future, both. I was just never in the moment. I didn't even know what that meant. So that book, The Power of Now, is a wonderful, wonderful book. And I know it has way more Amazon reviews than that. Cause it's one of the, it's, it's one of the pillars of the spiritual self-development. Sure. And okay, so that's one. Senka book. I really like the Mark Manson mm-hmm. subtle art of not giving a F yeah. because I can take things too personally and get in my head about it and start to, you know, uh, go back and forth, ruminate about different things that don't even matter. So that book really helped quiet the voice in my head. And just to think, I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about this book. I took a lot from it. And I gained a lot of insight. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, I read it as well. And I think it's another one of those ones where you can't read it too many times. I think every time you read a book like that, 
um, you find a different piece of it that resonates with you at a different time in your life. But it's, it's a, it's definitely just one you should always keep on the top of your book list. Yeah. Just always make sure to come back to it because we think we are all guilty, you know, of falling into that habit. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, one that I read this year, it's a new book by Oprah. It's called what happened to you. And it is an amazing book to feel more empathy for people and to understand what people are going through that we don't even understand. It's, you know, you need to take ownership for yourself, but you also need to realize that people have a different box of life than you. And that book just is the audio book. I will say is amazing. And that's, does she do the audio for it? She does the audio and she has put clips in from her show of different stories and that that's an amazing, amazing book about wow. um, trauma because we've all had trauma. You know, a, the human brain, we will find something to be traumatic no matter what. So being able to di- dissect that, understand that and accept that and then move forward. That book really taught me to, you know, kind of more journaling and dive into what was bugging me and move past it. I love that. And, and I want to also say that you used a phrase there that I think it's important that we annotate uh, box of life. Could you unpack that for us a little bit? No, no pun intended, but <laughs> yeah. So every human has a box of life and we have no idea what their box of life is. And even like with my husband, I was talking about this with him. I will never understand what goes on in your brain. Not even 1% of it. And that's the reality of being human. And we each have been given so many different circumstances and but put in so many different situations that it's hard to understand why people do the things they do. And if you can remember that box of life, it is helpful in, in leadership and managing people. That perspective is so strong. The, you know, when we have one of our employees that'll have a customer that comes in, that's just a dick for lack of a better term mm-hmm. and is not wanting to talk to him or maybe is just having know, a bad day, blowing yeah. them off. Yeah. Something I used to do as a manager, I'd say, Hey man, you know, that person probably got in a fight with his wife today. You have no clue what happened in that person's day that led them to act like that. And so instead of feeling like a anger towards them, you need to feel, you know, sympathetic towards them. Taking it personal. Yeah. Ta- right. Yeah. Ego taking it personal. And, um, and, but being able to kind of step back and have that perspective is like, one of the most powerful tools to life and being happy because back to what you were saying, the power of, of now, it's like, if you, if you kind of disconnect yourself from that and you, you don't make yourself think about it all the time, then it makes it, you know, your life just happier in general. Yeah. So yeah. You actually have the space to be present after that. right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. All, the books kind of, of intertwine. Yeah. What's the, uh, so I think we have one more. Yes. We have one more. The comfort crisis by Michael Easter. That book I read this year. And it changed my perspective on so many things because we are so comfortable right now as humans that it's causing us pain, trying to strive toward that comfort life, you know, always being air conditioning, heater, you know, always doing all of these things that make us comfortable actually end up making us miserable. And it's a good reminder for myself to not let myself get too comfortable in any situation because there's going to be repercussions because of that. And I really like, he talks about a concept called a misogi that it's from the Japanese culture. And it's something that you do once a year. And there are two rules to the misogi. Uh, the chance of completion is only 50%. So there's a 50% chance you can complete it. So if you are a marathon runner, for example, you can't say, okay, I'm going to run two marathons in a row because you're probably going to be able to do that. Well, 
I don't know, but like, it has to be something. Frame or, yeah. yeah, it has to be something like that you don't know. If you true can challenge. Compete. Yeah, true challenge. Yeah. And then the second rule is you can't die. Like you can't do something that you're going to be put your life yeah. in, in total risk. Yeah. And so, and then I guess the third part of that is that uh, you can't share it on social media when you do it. And so I recently did a Masogi, which I probably shouldn't talk about to, to do the third rule. It wasn't the purpose of it. That's, yeah. Yeah. We can say that. Yeah. So, and I did this um, and it really put everything in perspective and it actually made my life it made me so much more grateful for, you know, having a toilet, having, you know, water that didn't have like little fishies in it and, um, just having shelter and things like that. I think the concepts in the comfort crisis is something, it's a book that I will reread every single year and I will do some sort of Masogi every single year. I love that. I really do. Truly. Like you, you're inspiring us for sure. We're, we're into that. Yeah. I was about to say the the comfort thing, it leads to complacency and yes. I've been there in my life where it's like, you feel, you get to a point where you feel kind of, everything's good. You know, life mm-hmm. is good. And you, and then all of a sudden it kind of lulls you into, you know, Oh man, I haven't been attacking every single day the way that I should Yeah, or being appreciative the way that yeah, I should. Con- contentment you know? for me um, was really difficult to get to because contentment really led to complacency for me. It's like a, I can sit in contentment for a very short amount of time before yeah. it becomes dangerous for my personality and what, what I, my natural tendencies are. Yeah. The bodybuilder mentality of never being satisfied, it can be so just energy draining to every single day. It's because I, I have that. I am never satisfied with myself and I will never be good enough for myself. And as hard as that sounds and as sad as it kind of is like, oh, she'll never be proud of herself. I actually love that about me because it just keeps pushing me forward. You know, I don't want to be content with life because I want to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and never be satisfied. And fulfill your potential yeah. as possible. Yeah. With that the being process said. process to try and fill that potential is like where happiness is. It's where yes. fulfillment is. It's, yes, it you know, is. So, because a lot of times you finish something and you're like, I'm supposed oh. to be happy about this. And you look back on it and you're like, well, I'm actually just happy in the process that led me up to it. It's kind of like. A, I actually expected this outcome. That's yeah. why I did the work every day. Bodybuilding mm-hmm. shows, you know, it's like when you're dieting for it, you're like, this is miserable in it. And then you get to the show day and you, you know, the show day and then you look back on it and you're like, well. You know, actually, the thing that I'm most proud of is the, you know, waking up and doing cardio for an hour at 5 a.m. You know what I'm saying? So it, I, I definitely understand where you're coming Anybody from. Anybody that plays sports, I know, like you don't look back on it and think about the game. You think about the two-a-days. You think about the early workouts. You think about the suffering that you did with others. It's yeah. like that's what what you remember because it was the stuff you're actually the most proud of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Very cool. Very cool. So this is a rare question. No one usually asks this, but it's because of how many books you've read and your takeaways have already been so articulate. I want to know more. What are four books that you would tell people to skip? And I know that you wouldn't do that lightly as in like, I'm sure you'd be like, hey, everybody could relate to something, you know, but what four books would you have just passed on now? (laughs) 51 books in 2019, Kara? Yeah. Come on. Give me four books you do like. Four books to pass on. Uh, I do like this author and I really love his podcast, but I think the four hour work week is not a great book because you will never get to a point in your business where you can keep delegating if you want it to keep growing. So that's a book that I would pass on. However, I do appreciate Tim Ferriss and things that he has done. I think Tim Ferriss, also that book in context, he wrote it at a time where you could do like drop shipping of everything and like you didn't have to build a brand. It was just like kind of... 
It was the Wild West. When you read, when I read it, because I was like, "Ooh, that sounds awesome!" Uh, Four-hour work week, you know, I want to do that. Yeah. And then you read it, and you're like, "Oh, there's affiliate marketing was very new." Um, Yeah. And it's like when I read it, I did listen to it just because of how many people were referencing it. I remember listening to the audiobook and thinking, "I think the wrong." I, I, I feared that the it would get into the wrong hands if that made sense it's like the amount of people that have like the the wrong intent if you will or it's like they're trying to take the shortcut skip the work you know like oh i can just do four-hour work week immediately yeah and And you're like i think you guys are getting the wrong message here yeah i don't think that's the message you really wanted to put out but i think it was for me who wants to go sit on a beach all day every single day that doesn't sound enjoyable to not me. Not if you're passionate about what you work on, yeah. you know? It's, yeah. like, it's not time to retire yet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, never. So another yeah. book, and I hate to um I hate to say something bad about a female author, um, but Girl Wash Your Face. I only got probably a third of the way through and I just could not do it. It was just too much complaining about being a female and um things like that do really bother me when females try to complain about being a female and the hardships and that's like kind of what their base was. And to me, that book can definitely be skipped. Oh, Rachel. Over, over victimizing Rachel Hollis. Yeah. yeah. She I, seems like a very nice woman. So totally. I nothing, nothing against her. I'm, I bought that for my sister for uh, Christmas. Yeah. And she was like, I didn't read it. And I was like, why? She's like, I don't feel like this girl's done anything hard. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I know it's a very popular book. And I know people listening are like, oh, I love that book. It changed my life. Good. I'm glad that if Correct. it was positive Books for you. Books can hit people different. Yes. Exactly. That's what we were saying from the start of us. Like, this is just your personal view. Yes. You know what I mean? In your experiences. Yeah. Any other ones that are coming to mind? Um, there's one called How Yoga Works. Um, I read it as part of my yoga teacher training, and I absolutely hated it. I passionately <laughs> hated it. Yeah. It's not how yoga works. And I don't know why they made us read that book. And I even told the instructor of the yoga teacher training, can you please never have anyone read this book ever again? It's awful. Easy. Won't read how yoga works. I was re- crossing it off my list. It was in the top five of what I was going to Jeff, read. You've been going to yoga a little bit. I can't touch my toes, Kara. It's one of my uh, my New Year's resolutions okay. this year was to touch my toes. I can help you. And you still haven't gotten there? No. Okay, so you set this resolution Just in January. Just got past my shins. Okay. Oh, hold on, hold on. So we have- he's had this resolution for five years. My probably. resolution for real. No, no, no. He's full of shit. No, you he's haven't. He's 100% full I've of shit. I've never known you to touch your toes. Not uh, once. Of course, well, not, certainly not by strength stretching my hamstrings to get there now <laughs> but like i legitimately have a genuine issue uh with with my um what's the word i'm looking for tight hamstrings yeah yeah but like just so as what's the m word i'm looking for here oh mobility mobility thank wow. you and so yeah i've had a genuine issue with that i've made a commitment this year that i'm gonna touch my toes i'm all i will listen to your exact wording and messaging after this promise. okay i will I listen can help all the you. way I need it for real. I have a really hard time. Yes. I, even it's not, hey, I'm going to tell you what, Jeff, it's not the information. It's the follow up. So if you want him to actually do something, you have to really like, so I will text you. I was stretching every day since January. You know, I'd be touching my toes right now. I will text I you every day. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get your fiance's phone number and yeah. I will text her and I'll tell her to, well, we've got enforce you it. Yeah. Enforce yeah. it. Yeah, you yeah. can also give him like some kind of like, uh, you know, 
like a prize to go a after prize. and then he's like I'm a yeah. carrot, I'm he's a you carrot get a sticker. guy he's a carrot guy i'm a fan of carrots yeah. i'm not okay. a fan of sticks <laughs> we'll do a sticker like okay. a star a yeah. gold star every single day all about it when i was a kid i had like uh, in for, class for my I kids get, that i had, had to get poster board we put yeah, a sticker dude. on it for brushing their teeth yes <laughs> dude, that's had, what we'll do with jeff and stretching <laughs> my my mom tells this told this story to kyle when i was like a kid and i was being in the bathtub she would like slap my slap me on the shins to like sit down if i stood up in the tub and I would like look at her like do it again. Like I wouldn't be, <laughs> I've never been like a, you know, threaten me person. I just yeah. don't ever do well with it. And so when I was like in second grade, I'd like get in trouble in class for like talking out weird, right? Um, t- talking too much. And um, she, she, we had to start doing a thing where I'd get like a smiley face or a sad face of, based on my behavior. And if I got a smiley face, I'd get a quarter. Oh, <laughs> swear to God. So it was, like, how much grade. money did you make? Um, I had a tub full of quarters <laughs> and, uh, that all went to candy for sure as a kid. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. That's my house. Yeah. What was your favorite candy? Um, that's a good question. Um, that would change. Um, but if I was walking on the candy aisle, I'd be at standard drug, which was the, the drug store that was like a classic. Um, the owner of this place, um, really loved this kind of like five and dime mentality when he was a kid. And so he like maintained penny candy. So we would all like get like a dollar, right. And go in there. And they had like 10 cent um, candy cigarettes. They were, you know, the whole box, like you get 10 yeah. cigarettes, 10 pieces of candy, it's just straight sugar sticks, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I would do that. And like, there was like the trolley burger gummy. You probably looked so cool. I mean, dude, <laughs> the fact that it had the red, you know, the red little shade on the tip was hilarious. Uh, let's give you one little gummy bear every time you stretch. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Gummy bears, I'm psyched. Edible version, also possible. Okay, we'll do that too. <laughs> I literally was about to say that. I'm like, if it's a THC it's gummy, I'm really in now. No, because we are on the Missouri side right now. That's right. Okay, That's right. I forget. Yeah. If we cross the street, though, we're in Kansas. This yes. is State Line Road. This is State Line Road. Ironically, so uh, yeah, tons to unpack there as far as like the the different books that you've read and like, gosh, you're so well read. So you know, Wait, for those she had she had one more, didn't oh, you? All right, she uh, got for, one in her pocket. Okay, um, a book that I would say to pass. Okay, one fiction book that I read that I did not understand the hype was Where the Crawdads Sing, and everyone else loved it. And I I actually finished it, and I don't know why I finished it, because I did not enjoy it. But it has, if you look on Amazon, it has like five stars with like 150,000 people that reviewed it. So I am the vast... Minor, minority on this stance of where the crawdads sing. My wife has read it and she loves it. She loves yeah. it so much. She made me watch the the movie. Movie wasn't bad. Yeah, but I didn't read the book. But the whole, you know, just like anybody who reads the book first, she's like, "This is not as good as the book." Oh, <laughs> see how many people have reviewed it, and yeah. I am the vast minority on the book. It just missed me, and so I bring that up to say, you know, my book recommendations might not land with other people. So you might love girl wash your face or where the crawdads sing. Absolutely. It depends I can see on the how that book life. would yeah. be like slow. Like the, the, the movie was somewhat slow. So I guess the book could probably be uneventful. This is a rare pop culture reference that I just had no idea about. Yeah. I've never even heard of the book. And my wife, 600,000 Amazon. Unbelievable. Reviews. Yeah. No idea. No idea. And it's Swear. a movie now, I guess. Yep. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie. Check it out. Uh, maybe. I mean, <laughs> if you right. want. So here we have a nice segue into something that's completely different, super unique. Um, you guys are always pushing to grow and, and reinvent yourselves. Talk about the fashion shows because that's just so something you wouldn't see coming. And then when you guys do it, it is incredible. 
Uh, I've been a, I've been to a, a couple of them, and now you guys are even expanding them all over the country. Yeah, this is incredible. Talk yeah, thank you yeah. so much for your support because you have supported us since the beginning of our fashion shows. And when we started these, it was kind of like, wait, what are you trying to do? So when we started the fashion show, it was so much a passion project of mine because I had competed in 2013 and 2014 and 2015, and then 2016 I did not compete, and I remember feeling just not confident in my body because I didn't look like I did on stage. However, I looked amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where is this disconnect? You know, why am I not feeling confident? And so then in 2018, we did our first fashion show in Kansas city. And I remember that has such a special place in my heart because it gave me that confidence of being on stage in an off season body and feeling on top of the world. And I truly just felt so confident up there. And then that excelled my confidence further. So the fashion show started as an outlet for girls that were taking an off season, weren't competing and wanted to get more stage time, just feel confident in an off season body. So that's why it was started. And it's so relatable. I mean, like gosh, yeah. the amount of women that struggle with that. And then um, one thing that has, oh, the first fashion show. At the Midland was, I thought was the first Wait, one, no? Uh, yeah. This oh, no. the first one, right? First okay. one's at the Midland, right? That was the second one. Okay. This was the first one. So we sometimes we call the Midland the first one because it was the first actual like large scale production. This was just a stage at the KC Fit Expo that we oh, asked of course. To, oh, yes. to jump on. Yeah, and we, were there. we had about 30 models and we just we just did it and there wasn't really much to it if you see, but it was so much fun. And after we did that, we went all out for 2019. Yeah. And this so 2019, Saturday, right? Of yes. Casey Fit yeah. yeah. And so 2019 was the first, you know, in the theater in the beautiful Midland. Yeah. Oh, Michelle Young up there. Michelle. Shout yeah. Out Michelle. On there the was end. a little bit fit was the girl before that, right? Yes. I met her at that event. Okay. And she was super sweet. She, uh, Natasha. I yeah. Natasha. Yep. She like flew in from like Carolina or something like that. Yeah. Okay. That blew my mind. The first fashion show in, in 2018, it, yeah. um, shout out to my friend who are still great friends, Mariah. I was talking to her and she was like, yeah, I, I came from California and my jaw dropped. It's like, you came to from California for yeah. this. She goes, yeah. And we've still been so close friends and she's walked on a lot of the future fashion shows. And that, you know, it's not that I had imposter syndrome, but I think all entrepreneurs struggle with that and feeling like we, we don't really know the impact that we're doing or how big things kind of are that we're in um, managing. And so that really was life-changing to hear, you know, Natasha coming from, I think, uh, Maryland and then Mariah from California. Well, you girls. just got this unbelievable confirmation that other people feel like you feel. Yes. Like they've been where you've been. Yeah. And it's just as impactful or meaningful to them, which yeah. is just fun to see. So the why behind the fashion show started with that feeling confident in your off season. But since then, it's really morphed. And I love what it's morphed into. It's more about finding your tribe, your community of women that are like-minded that are on this journey with you because it can be lonely in this sport because there's not a lot of bodybuilders. So, you know, most bodybuilders, all of their close friends are not bodybuilders. And so you can feel very weird, I guess. And it's not fun to always feel like the weirdo. Mm -hmm. So when you get in a group of girls and you are all normal together in your weirdness, 
it just makes the most incredible bonds and it gives you a tribe, a home and something that you can show up and be vulnerable and just be your true authentic self. You know, that's our main message right now with the fashion show is coming and coming as you are. There's no competition. There's no show. This was our most recent fashion show at the Arnold, which was the biggest crowd we have ever had. Very cool. What a, what a, uh, unbelievable moment for you guys. I'm so happy for you Yes. to do that at the Arnold, right? To start off at the, the KC fit expo. And I now know. we're having a fashion show at the Arnold, one of the biggest possible fitness expos, if not the biggest, I'd say expo wise, it's the biggest in the world. Yes. You know, and, um, to, to be able to do that on stage there, what an unbelievable accomplishment. So if you haven't gotten enough, uh, yeah, congrats. do you see how big damn, that crowd say, is? Damn, the crowd is big. Yeah, it was. That yeah. was just an incredible experience, and we will be at the Arnold. Yeah, look wow, at all those wow. people. Very we cool. will be at the Arnold in 2024, and we will open up applications soon. Exciting, cool, awesome. So these fashion shows, um, have they changed anything about how you guys do business? Has that changed anything? You know, it's brought us a lot closer to our community. And it's really helped us stay on our toes with Evolving the Cut. And just being right there in front of our customers is so beneficial to hear, you know, what they are struggling with, what they need to know, you know, even from and not related to our business per se, but, you know, if they're struggling with reverse dieting, if they're struggling with this part of prep, you know, giving them the resources to help them in their competition journey is, you know, it, it helps us because we like to be part of the whole experience of the sport and support those coaches that, you know, have the same vision that we have. So the fashion shows has really helped our business and the community and connection aspect with our customers, which is so, so important. Oh yeah. Yeah. With your, um, uh, focus on personal growth as well and like trying to evolve and you guys are, um, always doing these, trying these new things and adding more value to how people are buying suits and their whole experience from start to finish. What is it that you are still left thinking about at night with all of this growth that you're doing? What is like the thing that you haven't tackled yet that you're so excited to try to do that? I want to open the fashion show up to more than just bodybuilders because we have sort of put our, ourselves in this box of where it's just bodybuilders walking, but there are so many women that live this fit lifestyle that are not bodybuilders. They have no desire to compete and be judged on their physique, but they want an experience like this. They want a community and they want that moment of, you know, complete glamor on yeah, stage. Yeah. So one thing we are doing in 2024 is opening up more. We have a transformation cut coming out that is more conservative on the bottom so that we can have our suits in more people and give more women the experience that they get on the fashion show stage but they do not need to be a bodybuilder or have a bodybuilder physique. All that we are looking for in our models are growth mindedness, living a healthy lifestyle and, you know, living that fit and healthy lifestyle and being a good role model in the community. Wow. Which that could be a, uh, a gateway into competing for a lot of people. Cause you meet a lot of people. They're like, I don't know if I could get up there on stage, yeah. but if they got up there on stage, you know, and they weren't being judged, you know, it might be a good gateway into, um, getting them to actually feel comfortable with, uh, with going through with a, with a, with a prep. Yeah. It gives them something else to chase. You know? Yeah. But if, but if they don't, we're psyched yeah, too. But yeah. It, yeah. I do think that the more people in bodybuilding, I, I really think there's so much to learn from going through a prep and going through being a bodybuilder, because if you have any mental issues and you probably know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. if there's anything in your head that's not, you know, in sync, if your body is out of alignment mentally, physically, spiritually, anything, 
it's going to come up in prep yeah. and you're going to have to fight through it or it's going to show on stage Yeah, because you can't be holding any cortisol. You know, you have to make sure everything is optimal. And I think it's such a growth. You learn so much about yourself that I, if people ask me, you know, Oh, I, I think I'm thinking about doing a show. And what do you think? I always say one show can teach you so much go. about yourself. Yeah. So just go for it. If you have that desire, go for it. You know, the thing that it taught me is up until I did that show, I was always a meathead. You know, I was weighing probably like 250 at the time, but I was not a, not a lean 250 at all. And, um, I used to He's think being it, modest. In, in my, <laughs> in my, in my head, I used to think, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I have the self-discipline to like feel like I'm starving myself and doing a show and committing to a show and actually seeing it through changed the way that I looked at food because it never, it, I never looked at food like it controlled me after that. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, no, nah, I beat you. I already yes. know, I already know like what to do. I, I, I was able to say no to things a lot easier from that point moving forward than I was prior to ever doing a show. Yeah. It like teaches you like, uh, you're not going to die. If you don't, it, you know, if you don't have like something sweet every week, guess what? You're not going to die. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me going through that process to learn that, you know, that was the most valuable thing that I have to this day. Or Jeff will see, or he'll be like, dude, you're not hungry for that. I'm like, nah, no, it's not a big deal to me. You know, yeah, those it's very easy for me to say no to things. Yeah. When I, I'll never forget like uh, the first time I went on like a trip uh, on a vacation where I was with like. Everybody who was thinking, oh, oh dude, oh, come yeah. on, bro. Oh, the good old days. You look so Jeez, good. Man. First I'm in class. so glad you brought yeah. that photo up. First Jeez. in this class. But where are the if crystals I, on if your if suit? I only had an angel bikini on. It needs to be crystallized. <laughs> this was So this was prejudging. Where is his one of him in the night show? No. You serious? I mean, I he have had, all of somewhere. Pink, he had hot pink trunks I on, do Kara. love, love, love what you said <laughs> where you didn't know if you could do it. Yeah. And then you did. And I think that in itself, the more times we can go through experiences where we're like, oh, I just, I can't do this. This is not going to work. I can't, can't do this. And then you do, that trains your brain yeah. so valuable. What's For that sure. Japanese term? He did it. I don't know. Masagi. Or masagi? Mas- yeah. Oh, you're talking about that, Masagi. Yeah. yeah. That was yes. his Masagi. He didn't okay. know if he could do it. Yeah. Well, that's... He couldn't okay. tell. He told it's me. probably got to yeah. be something worse than that. Yeah. Well... <laughs> You knew you could get on stage. When you said Japanese term, I was thinking of the Toyota term for lean manufacturing. I don't know why my brain went there. But I was like, <laughs> what is that term? So that's why yeah. my brain was like. No, yeah. no, I, you're right, though. It was, you know, it took me just committing to it and saying, I'm just going to see this through. And then once I did and I actually started going through the process of it, I was like, oh, this is not that bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was like, I get it. You know, it's not it's not the end of the world. And I still every year. You know, I diet down to probably within, you know, 5% body fat as to where I could like actually compete again, you know, just because it's like a tool that I have in like my tool belt now where it's like very easy for me to go, you know, three months and and have a really strict diet, you know, turn on his discipline like that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. That's a a super powerful. And also, yeah, I mean, that's not very lean, but I can get leaner than that. I'm left is like, Ooh, I had a little bit of too much Christmas cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most people are trying to get to his before pick, but yeah, he's modest, but I will tell you his, um, this is a fun time. Like 2011, this 2011, right? Was this 10 or 11? Uh, when I, when I did the Missouri. Yeah. 2011. Yeah. That was a long time ago. I know. Yeah. Talk about like the, the sign of the times. Um, two fun stories about that day. One, I want to say you spent, 
$300 total on your prep coach. Oh, wow. Yeah. Your prep diet, you paid a friend who was this great. my buddy. This is my buddy. I, looking back on it, I shouldn't have paid him anything. Yeah. <laughs> he was, dude, he was invested, though. He, he was. was he was like, I was like, he was like, dude, bucks. we're going to get you to win your class. And I was like, all right, man. Yeah. You know? and, and are you going to compete yeah. again? I don't, I don't really have much of a desire to. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I if if Jeff gets on stage, I'll get on stage with him. That's my that's my oh, thing. Oh, he's throw putting it on the, the, on the I'll, mic. I'll throw the gauntlet out there, Jeff. You want to get on stage and compete? I would do it with you. You know what's funny? I actually asked him a long time ago to do a half marathon with me, Kara, and I said I really needed the accountability. Yeah, and he said you do a half marathon, I'll do it with you. And uh, you know what? I ran that half marathon by myself that oh. day. Okay, but you know what? And he also wasn't we, at the finish line. First of all, first of all, he wasn't at the finish line oh, for me either. I, he's going to bring up work. Yes, we had a, because we, had a, we had a store open we and had somebody staff. had to work it. I'm sorry. I just remember you telling me what you were going to do, something that you just didn't do. Yeah. And you didn't even have a kid yet. You had no excuses. But hey, yeah. he did say I, he'd be there for me. And I got down at the finish line and... High five, nobody. Oh, but your fiance was there. No, no I no, lived here like three months and had no long, friends. Long before. Oh, oh this was here, a while ago. Yeah, lived here three it. months. Okay. Lived can, here three months. So we had over a it. store that was open. You can tell him over it. Yeah. It's all right. I just tell, I just usually do what I tell people I'm going to do. That's yeah. All. Okay. I will say I competed last year for the first time in a while. I had taken a long break and I am so glad because I, okay. When I decided to compete last year, I said, okay, I'm going to do one show. And then I ended up doing three because I remembered how much I love the sport. It gets so addicting. And I'm sure if you did it, you would fall yeah. in love with the sport again. Which, I mean, I still do like competitive things. I'm doing a CrossFit competition okay. in in, uh, in a month. But so I, I've, I've been doing CrossFit competitions for probably the last, you know, two or three years. And that kind of like gives me that juice, yeah. the, the competition juice. You got one coming. Um, yeah. You got one coming up. Yeah. But I mean, it is, it's a different, it is a different feeling it crossfit competition feels like you're playing like a soccer game kind mm -hmm. of like but like a bodybuilding show is more like a slow pride burn. i slow would say burn. no it's like you you look back on it with pride is what i would say it's kind of different in that a fact. total you versus you scenario versus it yeah okay. it's a lot more mental than yeah physical Correct. and it looks so physical people are very surprised to hear that but bodybuilding is so mental it's just the best mental training that like you can do for your body can if you do you, it the right way. What, what's the, uh, what, what did you feel like you grew in um, since your last competition? Because that's what I was excited to ask you about today was I know that you had taken a few years off from competing at least. And, you know, you've done, you've dived into all these other things as far as like your personal growth. Right. And had taken that time to become a yoga instructor. And so like, what did you find out about yourself? Cause you'd find out so much about yourself at the first competitions. Right. So what did you find in this, in this recent one? A lot. <laughs> This year, you know, while I was in the sport last year in season, you know, my show ended November, I was so focused on the show and, you know, keeping up with my daily task and everything, the discipline that I needed to do that. But as I was saying earlier, if you have any type of mental strain, physical strain, spiritual strain, it's going to come out. And it was in December, like after my show was over, that I really had a revelation and I realized I have a lot of mental things I need to work on and I need to get over it. And so I started working with, I've, I've gone on and off therapy for a long time, but so I started working with a therapist again in December. And then it wasn't until May, very recent of this year that I was like, okay, I've 
That show, that season taught me everything I needed to know. I unpacked so much that I needed to unpack. And it really just brought out some things deep inside that I needed to get through. And I needed to go through this trauma that I had weighing on my brain from like way previous years. And I, I think doing the competition really like pushed me to reach out and, you know, dig deep to be the best version of myself. Because if I had anything weighing on me mentally, I knew I had to fix it. And, um, yeah. And so I, in May, I kind of had a, an epiphany and I told my husband, I don't think I'll ever need a therapist again. And he was like, well, don't say ever, Mm. but I just feel like, so I, I overcame so much in the first five months of this year that I'm such a different person mentally because of that. And I think that doing the show, being so disciplined with it and getting back in the sport really, you know, made that bridge for me to even realize that I needed to address this. Right. Brought it all to the surface. Yeah. It brought it all to the surface. How yeah. Cool. It's, it's, it's very common to see people like say, I'm doing this show. And then, you know, six months or six weeks into it, into their prep, they kind of drop out. And it's usually just like what you were saying. It's like people are, the mental aspect of it is just so hard. Sitting in know? that discomfort. I, I can think, only imagine. I think it's really, you spend a lot of time, um, you know, if you're doing cardio, you're with doing yourself. a lot of cardio, you spend a lot of time mm-hmm. with yourself and you spend a, a lot of time self reflecting and, um, you know, being introspective. And I think that that a lot of people have a hard time, like, you know, when they first go through it, they have a hard time doing that, you know, coming to terms with a lot of the, um, you know, stuff that they might be going through. Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought that up because that whole thing of like sitting with yourself, um, one of my friends, Savannah Sharp, she did a crazy prep last year for nationals. And she said a comment. She was like, yeah, I really love doing cardio because it really, I was just talking to myself a lot during it. And, you know, I'm my own best friend. So it was really great for me. And when she said that, I was thinking, whoa, when I'm doing cardio, I'm belittling myself. I have all this negative self-talk. What's going on? And so that part of the prep of sitting with yourself was something that made me realize I need to work on this. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of think of like 2023, this is the year that I became best friends with myself. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. Wow. How rewarding too, just because of your appreciation for things. I'm sure it's just like, you're seeing things for the first time all over again. And you know, this is all, you know, to use Mark Manson, self-awareness, which is what this is. It's like an onion. So, you know, I say I'm where I want to be now, but you just keep peeling back the onion and you just keep learning and growing. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be so many like reinventions of myself sure. as I keep peeling back the never ending onion of self-awareness. Yeah. Well, what, what are your hobbies outside of uh, uh, angel bikini and then bodybuilding? Um, playing with my dogs. What I, kind of dogs you got? I have a standard golden doodle that's 100 pounds. And then I have a rescue dog that is part German shepherd that's 50 pounds. And then I have an ultra petite micro golden doodle that's 10 pounds. Whoa. I didn't there know they made those. Yeah. So I have all ends of the spectrum. I have yeah. like the teeny tiny ones all the way to the end. Golden doodles are cool dogs. Yes. They I don't love shed, my dogs. You know? Never seen a micro petite one. Yeah, I know. I don't even, I'm trying to imagine what that would be. She's 10 like. pounds. Yeah. We're looking, we're looking all through your oh, photos right now trying yeah. to find them. There's okay. There has to be, I have, I am very disappointed in myself. If you can't find a photo of my dogs on my Instagram. <laughs> Should be a highlight by now. Oh, yeah. That's the standard golden that's doodle, That's huh? the big one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Adorable. Name? Penny. Oh yeah, we dressed up as Belle together. <laughs> She's a Christmas elf. 
That's incredible. Uh, my wife does the same thing to our dog. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, as a, a puppy? As Penny as a puppy. Yeah, Penny as a puppy. And so I, um, I mentioned music. Music will always be a big part of my life. So playing the piano, singing, and doing things like Are that. Are not pulling out the cello anymore? It's hard. When you become a master at something, which you become very quick when you spend six hours practicing every single day, you become a master so quick. But it leaves you the same speed. So it's hard to relate. And playing the cello, I'm so much worse than what I was. It doesn't bring me joy. I'm with you. Yeah. And so piano is a very easy instrument for me because I started it when I was five. So it's just very flawless and it's easy. So it just brings me a lot of joy to play. But I'll play the cello maybe once a year. I'll get it out, tune it, and play it just for kicks. But I don't play it on a on a normal basis. I'm so guessing you, like a, a piano is more like I play guitar. And yeah. it's like I can just sit down and just jam on a guitar and just kind of like make something mm-hmm. up and just kind of flow with it. I'm guessing a cello is not exactly no, like you can not, just get it out oh, and jam it. <laughs> I am on YouTube. Yes. Wow. I've always been a performer. At play heart. my wedding? I played at a lot of weddings. Yes. <laughs> So I would take the karaoke This is an epic song. Yeah. And learn the vocals. Wow. Did you do this in college? Yes. That yeah. was our degree. Yeah. yeah, I have a minor in music. You're, um, you know, for people that have never played an instrument or at least never played it well, right? What would you, with you being so musically inclined, what would you recommend to be like one of the first instruments someone should look for? To try, if they were going to get started to give them some confidence, what would be the instrument to pick up? Yeah, I started with piano and I think that's a great instrument because it doesn't require any tuning. You're going to hit the notes in tune every single time and you learn both bass clef and treble clef. So it's a good gateway into other instruments. And piano is, in my opinion, one of the easier instruments to get to a performance level. I think if someone starts the piano in a couple years, they could play for someone and impress them. Versus any stringed instrument, cello, violin, um, most like French horn or things like that, you need to put so many hours into your craft, years and years and years before you can play and people even know what you're playing. Those instruments are so much harder than people think. Sure. I mean, I can only imagine. I People ask me all the time if I play guitar because I have one and I'm like, I mean, I don't play it well. Guitar is an easier instrument it. too. Yeah. Yeah. Guitar, that's guitar and piano are probably very similar yeah. in that way. Even though, like, it is very easy to sound like crap on a guitar, but you know, same thing with the piano. So, but <laughs> yeah. guitar, you know, if you know the D, G, and C, yeah, chord, you can kind of play everything. You can there play ninety percent of music with yep. three chords. Yep. Yep. You can. Can you true. can you pick up a guitar and play as well? A little bit, yeah. Is the worst part of uh, playing cello lugging it around campus? <laughs> I would guess I would be like tired of doing that. Yeah, it got it got old. Yeah. It got old. And one time I played for a wedding in South Carolina and decided to drive so that I didn't have to fly with it because my cello oh, yeah. was my baby, like so much my baby. Yeah. Like I the thought of flying it was out of the question. Well, some guy picking it up and tossing it on yeah. there. Yeah. Did you so, did you watch the movie as you were you grew up in the nineties, right? Did you watch mm-hmm. the movie Camp Nowhere? Nope. Oh, there's a hilarious it's a camp where they like they've literally bought a camp 
and pretended it was a camp. And so everybody had their parents pay for them to go to this camp. That was just all the kids hanging out, having a good time. And someone was like, like, you know, some guy named like Danny for like, Danny, throw in your cello. And he throws <laughs> his cello into the fire of like, of like an actual bonfire. Of an actual fire. Of like them all oh. having a good time. He's like, I didn't want to play this anyway. And throws his cello in there. I was like, that's like thousands of dollars. I would tear <laughs> yeah. up. I would tear up if I watched that. I'm glad that you didn't have to go through that trauma too. I know. Uh, of watching somebody just burn their cello. But it was hilarious with like, of all the instruments. It was like, dude, Danny, throw in your cello. Yeah. We'll find it. Uh, Luke, find the Camp Nowhere clip and we'll put it up there on, the, on the, at least on the Oh, end. you're going to make me watch it? Edit, no, no, no. And we'll put it in the post. <laughs> we'll put it in the post edit. Um, one last thing I got for you, questions, some rapid fire questions for you. Who's your favorite bodybuilder of all time? Ashley Kottwasser. Uh, what suit did you wear before you had your own? You didn't mention it. I don't want to name drop the company, okay. but it was purple. Okay, that works. Uh, favorite cheat food after a show? Ice cream or burger? What flavor of ice cream? Peanut butter. Oh. From where? Um, I really love Baskin Robbins chocolate peanut butter flavor. Love that. And have you instar- have you tried the new Ninja Creamy yet? Yes. Talk to us about it. Oh my gosh. What's I- the go-to protein that you use? Make sure it's from our store. Okay. I have, <laughs> well, okay. I have the perfect recipe that I like. Um, and it actually doesn't have protein powder in it. Okay. It has um, <laughs> cashew Yogurt. milk, okay. cottage cheese, and sugar-free pudding mix. And that's it. My gosh, swap the cottage cheese for protein powder for God's sakes, Kara. <laughs> what are we doing? Curdled, curdled. No, you blend it. Milk. You oh, blend sure. it. Yeah. So I have done it with um, the. Okay, I will say I did it with the mint sandwich first form. Okay, that was really mint. good. Yeah, that's a thick mint one. chip. Yeah, yeah, that one's good. Yeah. The consistency of that one, the level one. Yeah, it's like Luke's not a fan. It's up He's there making faces. I got a new flavor I'm trying out. There's a, there's a, I believe it's Axe and Sledges, the Dippin' Dots one. There's like a birthday cake. Those are pretty tasty. Okay. I'm going to give it a shot. I'll let you know how it goes. It's but I'm tasty. glad to hear that you are using it and it's working because everybody, I mean, the Ninja Creamy is all the craze. Yeah. You guys, First Form should have made them, you know, that would have been a great market. We're, hey, we're, t- <laughs> we're talking kidding. about putting them in. We have a new smoothie bar concept in St. Louis as far as oh. like our new, we have a new supplement superstores model that we're just testing out up there. They're talking about putting some protein ice cream on the bar. We, uh, How cool we, would that be? So there's two places down in Tampa that sell healthy soft serve. And they are crazy. They're always busy. Whenever I'm down in Tampa, I'm like, we need to go to, I think it's called Delights Ice Cream. And so it it is a concept that is working on the coast. And usually when things work on the coast, mm-hmm. as they time. come in, it'll be a good idea for Kansas City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't disagree. It didn't work for Muscle Maker Grill, but it worked. For, we're we're going to see what happens for the yeah. ice cream. Um, lastly, you have, um, we just one, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a delight to talk yeah, to you, I get love, to know love you. Yeah, I love hearing your story. Yeah, this was so fun. Thank yeah, you guys. We had such a great time getting to know you and um, on a different level, right? And we want to know, or, or for our listeners, please, just how can they find you? What's the best way to access you? So acbikinis.com, A is an apple, C is in cantaloupe, bikinis.com. And then I am on Instagram. The business is at angel competition bikinis. And you can find my personal business Instagram at, or not business, but my personal Instagram is at Kara ACB. All right, Kyle, you, cool. got, you know what question we need to ask her? Oh yeah, we should probably ask you the, the the question we ask every single person. So you grew up in Kansas City, right? Yep. So Kansas City is known for their barbecue. What is uh, your favorite barbecue from Kansas City? I love Jack Stack pulled pork. Mm. Jack Stack barbecue sauce is the best. Their pork is the best. Um, I will say 
I wish that it came on a brioche bun. <laughs> I know I'm being really specific. <laughs> we, um, we appreciate hey, the details. I love, so, I love a brioche so, bun. Yeah. So if someone like buys their own brioche bun yeah. and then they like have it at a party with the pulled pork, with the Jack Stack barbecue sauce, that is perfection. I love it. I, I love Jack Stack. That's and it's also answer. one of the best places to actually just go in and eat. It's got the best vibe, I think. Yeah, it yeah. does. They, they do offer a great experience. And mm-hmm. that's I think they've like scaled that really well amongst all the other barbecue restaurants. I think they kill it with the most multiple locations. Yeah, there's one, a new one, two minutes from headquarters. Oh, you're oh yeah. Nobody yeah. yeah. So where Dangerous. our headquarters is, it's blown up. There is everything around us now. Exciting. Yeah. 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 Are you guys still there on 87? Yep. Well, I'm telling you, my fiance's going to come over there. We're okay. Do the, the custom soup. We're all Let's about it. Let's do it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for yeah. your time. Thank you again for coming on. And, yeah. Uh, thank you guys. We're, we're excited to have you back on another time. Yeah. Of course. Anytime. Appreciate you guys for listening. <laughs>